man, I'm, I have high expectations for this year. I have high hopes. Do you know, I, I don't think that sometimes we realize all the time stuff in the Bible, the days, the years, all of that kind of stuff, do you know that that was done for us? Like God, there's no times in heaven. You know what I mean? It's eternity. There's no beginning, no end. All of that, hey, I did this in a day, or this happens every year, and the seasons, the way God you know, aligned all of the things, all of those things happen for us. And I believe that a huge part of that is so that every single day, every single day, you can say, today's new. Today's new. God gave this to me for a reason. God gave this day to me for a reason. I get to start fresh today. I have fresh energy. I just got a good sleep. I'm ready to take on the day and whatever God's got for me. And it's the same way we're every week, every month, and every year. Amen? And so I think it's just a, it's a great opportunity. What, what are we going to do with the opportunity? I'm going to have high hopes and high expectations for this year. Amen? I'm going to be praying that way. I'm just going to be the, I'm just going to be the fool, like Paul said. We're just fools for Christ. If that's the way you see it, I'm just a fool for Christ because I'm just going to believe for great things this year. I'm going to pray for great things. Mediocre things will come. I'm just going to say, thank you, Lord. And I'm going to move on, and I'm going to pray, keep praying for great things. And when great things come, I'm going to say, yes, Lord. That's what we agreed upon. That's what we prayed for this year. Amen? Whew, she got me fired up. I'm ready to just pray and give an altar call. Let's go. Let's go do it. Hey, well, welcome, everybody. Welcome to 2019. Glad that you're here. If this is your first time at South Point, I hope that God really touches your heart today and speaks to you. Everybody watching online, we're super glad that you joined us, and I pray the same thing for you, that God touches your heart and uh, really does a work inside of you. Today, we're going to start a brand new series called Shift. Shift, shift. That guy was having a little trouble, wasn't he, in the, in the video? Any, anybody in here ever driven a stick shift? Yeah. Anybody ever learned to drive? Did you learn to drive on a stick shift? Wow, a lot more people than I thought. Yeah, we do have an old church. <laughs> including me, including me. I, I grew up, I grew up um, when I was about 12, um, me and my dad... We, we had moved out of town. My mom and dad got a divorce, and we'd moved up to Visai, which is a giant metropolis up by Woodward. And he wanted me to know how to drive in case something, in case something ever happened, and I was home alone. So we went out in his 66 Ford pickup, and it had what they called three on the tree. You know, that's where you have three, first, second, third gear. It's on the shifter. And uh, it taught me how to drive at 12 years old on that down some gravel road so that when you mess up with the clutch and all that, you just throw gravel everywhere. It's totally fine. You don't tear up anything. And, um, of course, grew up driving motorcycles, but that really helped. Later, I, didn't, I didn't, had no idea. At about 14 years old, I started working on a couple of farms and ranches around. And when I was able to drive a tractor and able to shift and find gears and all that kind of stuff, it was, it was a good career move in the farming area. So um, that... That little analogy, this shift here, is to help give us an analogy, a, a visual picture for the rest of this series. And I hope maybe the rest of the year. I hope that we spend some time on it this series, and it becomes kind of a way that we see opportunities. I, I hope that um, when we start in first gear, so to speak, in our faith, that we don't want to stay there, right? I mean, how many of you know fifth gear is much better than first gear on the highway, Right? Um, you get lots of, lots of looks on the highway in first gear. But fifth gear is where it's at. That's where you get the best mileage, the best time, all that kind of stuff. It's the same analogy for us. I want us to, to grab a gear this, this year spiritually. I want us to take some, 
to, to take some steps to make a shift in our, in our hunger and our desire for God. And, and the reason I say that is because I see that throughout the Scripture, and we're going to talk about this this month, when, when people draw near to God, the Bible says that God draws near to people. Amen? And, and that's what I want. As we reach out to God and say, God, I'm, I'm going to do some things, I pray that God would do some things in us. When we say, I want to make a shift in my thinking or my actions or whatever it would be, that God responds in our life also. How many of you know, like, a principle of that is that small changes make big differences, right? Small changes over and over and over throughout your week, throughout your month, throughout your life, they make, they make huge things. T- tomorrow, we start 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, people have been asking me for the last month while we're talking about this, I'm, I never fasted, how do you do that? And I always tell them, well, you immediately start with eating nothing for the rest of the year, no, you don't, you don't start in fifth gear, right? Anybody ever tried to start in your highest gear in a, in a standard, a stick shift? It just goes like that guy did. He's probably like in third gear or fourth gear, and it just chunk, 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 and then it dies. And you don't want it to die this year. Start in first gear. Like one of the things that I'm fasting for the next 21 days is sugar. Everybody say, help him, Lord, right? And my family's already, I'm like, are y'all, y'all going to fast sugar with me? And they're like, no, we did not hear from the Lord on that. That is... We're not doing that. And, uh, of course, my daughter is fasting Netflix, and that may be just as bad. But start with something little and just say, Lord, I'm I'm making a shift. I'm making a small change, and I'm expecting it to have big dividends, big payoffs. Amen? That, that's what we want to see in our life. So if you, if you have some note, if you have your uh, orange bulletin, there's some notes in there. And I have a bunch of notes for you today because I want to cover, uh, lay some foundation, but still want to preach what God laid on my heart. And at South Point, we try to give you just naturally with our ministries, we try to curtail those so that they help us make those shifts, make those, uh, those steps that we would take spiritually. Uh, the first one that we, that we tell everybody is that we are, our purpose is, like we are here to love God and love people, right? You only have to be here a week to get that at South Point. We are here to love God and love people. Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God and love people. This sums up everything. So that's what we want to do. But we want to give you steps to do that because sometimes that's a great big picture. And we go, how do I do that? How do I, I mean, how do I get from A to B? Well, I have to go through the gears. And we, we have some steps for you. The first one that we want you to do is to know God, first and foremost. We don't want you to attend church, to be a Christian. Do you know what I'm saying? We want you to know God, not just know him. I mean, most of you know my wife, but you don't know her. You don't know her favorite foods, her favorite shows, her favorite candies, the things not to do. You know, like you don't know because you don't have that relationship. And at South Point, we want to create ways for you to, to know God. We want to do things like today, uh, Sunday service. That's one of the reasons that you should attend Sunday services. This is an opportunity to be encouraged. We have prayer teams at the end of service come up and pray. We worship during our services. There's a lot of little steps that you can take in a Sunday morning service to know God better, right? The, the second one is to grow your faith. To grow your faith. That's the second step that we say, well, how, how do we do this love God, love people? Well, we, we want you to know God. We want you to uh, grow your faith. One of, the, one of the greatest ways that we do that at South Point, uh, according to Scripture, we have small groups at South Point. And you'd say, well, why is a small group according to Scripture? And it's like, well, because the Bible tells us and shows us over and over and over that two are better than one. Nobody should be alone. From the Garden of Eden at the very beginning, God said it's not good for these people to be alone, right? 
That's the reason for that. And even throughout Scripture, he says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And it's good for us to have this big group, and it's good for us to have a small group to be able to ask and to apply. So how do you live that out with your kids? How do you do that at work? How do you apply what we talked about on Sunday to your marriage? And that's where small groups come in and help us to grow our faith. Amen? The third one is to discover our purpose. We specifically have at South Point a three-week class. Three weeks is super short. I remember when, when I got saved, our, uh, I, f- I think it was get to know, uh, anyways, whatever the membership class was, was three months long just to learn. This church had 75 people in it. There, ha- there couldn't be that much stuff to know. I could have memorized all those people in three months. We have three weeks, a three-week class. And in that class, it is to help you. It is designed. It is constructed to help you understand who you are with a a personality assessment in it that you fill out. We don't tell you who you are. You tell yourself who you are through the personality assessment and the gifts assessment. And it tells us, like, what are my gifts and abilities? What are my talents? And we've never had, I've never had anybody, come to me if you have, because I would love to have one, but we've never had anybody fill that out and go, no, that's not me at all. And the reason is because they're filling it out. You're, You're telling about yourself and what that class does, it connects the dots with who God created you to be and his purpose for your life. We have had tons of people as they're filling those out and they get through with that giftings assessment or that personality assessment, say, oh, they'll be elbowing their spouse or their friends going, that's why I do what I do. Like, yes, that's, God wired us all different like that. And that's where it helps us to find our purpose. The fourth one, and probably the biggest one of them all, is put all those things together. And one of our steps is to make a difference. Is to know that we're making a difference. Is to make a difference in somebody's life. Can I tell you, one of the greatest, most fulfilling moments you'll ever have in your life is helping somebody else. Is making a difference in somebody else's life. Man, I heard it the, the, the last three weeks from all of those that showed up here and helped deliver gifts to, to our Rockwood families. Can I tell you that everybody that delivered gifts made a difference? Even if they didn't buy those gifts, they were making a difference. And in return, what happens when you make a difference? God does something supernatural, and he makes a difference in you just by you making a difference in other people's lives. And so those are just four steps that we do at South Point to immediately help you to grab a gear, to shift, to to take a step. We want you to know God, want you to grow in your faith, want you to discover your purpose, and ultimately in everything that we do, want us to to make a difference. Amen? Well, good. I'm I'm setting it up because we're going to talk about the first one today. We're going to talk about knowing God. And and this year, I want to challenge you. This is going to be one of our big goals throughout our services, throughout this series, is to know God in these, these steps. Listen, listen to this scripture. This scripture jumped off at me a few weeks ago. It's probably not your typical knowing God scripture, but it jumped out at me a few weeks ago because of what it doesn't say. It's in Luke chapter 11, and it says this, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. Everybody say, Jesus prayed. Yeah, it's important because if the Son of God prayed, if the Son of God prayed, Talk to his father. How much more should we? That's a lot, right? But as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And what, what it doesn't say in the New Testament is that it doesn't say the disciples went to Jesus and said, hey, teach us how to do those miracles. Teach us how to raise the dead. 
hey, Lord, my favorite is the whole walk on water bit. Can you teach me how to do that? Like Nobody ever says that. You realize that? Nobody, nobody says, teach me how to heal the blind. But what the disciples saw is they saw Jesus praying, and they saw something different happening there, and they said, we want to pray like you pray. And I believe that the underlying statement of that is, I, I want to know God and be able to talk to him like you know God and talk to him. Right? Like, I mean, isn't that your desire? It, how many in here would say, I would like to know God better? If you don't raise your hand, he's watching. You don't get to know him better. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, that, that's why this, this, this point is almost a no-brainer because I think we all want to know God better. And when, when I read things about praying in Scripture and Jesus praying, I say, Lord, I, I want to pray like you pray because you know God. I want to be able to talk to God like you talk to him. I want to have the same confidence. I, I want to have the same fervor, the same passion. I want, to, I want to be able to pray that way. And I want to end up with like what James says, that the, the prayer of a righteous person, somebody right standing with God in James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now let me ask you another question. How many would like your prayers to be powerful and effective? Lord, right here. Man, if I have a couple of prayers in my life, one of them is going to be, Lord, let my prayers be powerful and effective. When I pray for people to stop and go, holy moly, what's going on there? Not to impress people, but to say that they're praying God. They're praying God in my life. They're praying for God's will in my life. There's something going on here. You know, I remember when, when I got saved, when I became a, a believer at 23, as in college, I asked my pastor, what could I do to become a better Christian. What can I do? I didn't really know to, to say know God. What can I do to know God better? But what can I do to be a better Christian? And he labeled off some things. He said, but one of them, we have a, a 7 o'clock prayer meeting Monday through Friday here at the church. You ought to come to that and learn how to pray. And I thought, well, I don't know how to pray. I mean, I'm more of a God is great, God is good, let us thank you for this food. I mean, that was kind of that's the extent of my prayer life then. You know, I, I got that one. And he said, come to prayer meeting. That'll help you out. And I was thinking... Well, I don't want to sit through another class. You know, that's my thing. So I decided to go to prayer meeting. Seven o'clock in the morning, every morning, for a college student that has an eight o'clock class is, uh, is an early morning. But I went, little, little uh, Clinton First Assembly out here in uh, Clinton, Oklahoma. There's about 100 people on a good day that go there. And down the hall, like right through the little four-year lobby that was about 10 by 10, right down the hall to the right was the pretty room. That's what they called it. And it was barf pretty, I'm telling you. No man should ever go in there. It had, now remember, this is in 93. So it had, it had like two big couches on, this, on each end and a couple of couches on the wall. And then big, giant, stinky flowers all between it, flower arrangements. And the, hold on, hold on. And mirrors covered the entire room. You know, so it, it, it was only like a 10 by 25 room, but it looked like it was, went on forever. You could look and go like this, and like you would be going in infinity in either direction. So it's really weird. But the couches were yellow and peach velvet. The carpet was peach. Everything in the room, the flower pots, the weird things on the wall, the little flower things that they hung on the mirrors, all of those were peach and yellow. It scared me going in there. It was a weird, it, they called it the pretty room. So I went, the first morning I went, there was about five people there. The pastor, uh, brother and sister Garrett, 
and a couple of other people. Brother and Sister Garrett were the kind of the, the pillars of the church. But I remember, like it was yesterday, and I remember kneeling down at one of those little chairs in the corner or something like that. And I'm just kind of like, what do I do? Do I pray loud? Do I pray soft? Do they need to hear me? What do I need to like, oh, Father, thou art? Do I need to have a lot of arts in there? You know, I'm just nervous. My voice is shaking. Like, what, what do I need to do? And you know what I did for probably the first two weeks, mostly? I listened. And I listened to people who had had relationships with God for 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years. I, I, I watched, I looked in the mirror as they would get up from sitting in the chair or kneeling. Some of them kneel, and they would walk back and forth and pace the room and pray. And some of them would just, and that's all you could hear. But boy, brother and sister Garrett, woo! Brother and sister Garrett was like, they picked up the phone and God picked it up on the other end. And they would pray and I would just listen. When they got fired up and they were praying out loud, I'd just listen. I'd just hang out. All right, Lord, whatever she's saying, that's what I want right there. What, what is she saying? And she would talk to God like him and her, like he was in the room and she was hearing every word. And I remember she would come over, brother and sister Garrett, they would make their way around. Since there's only four or five of us, they'd make their way around. You need prayer for anything? I'd say, yeah, sister Garrett, I just need prayer that I, I can live as a Christian. I've done this a couple of times and it never stuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want it to stick this time. I, I'm really serious. That's why I'm here. All right, everybody, little Scotty needs some help over here. Let's come over here and pray. And I thought, oh, my Lord, what did I just ask for? And they would gather around that little chair and all these old people hands right on me, man. And just like the Bible says, just lay your hands on one another. It says that. And they would go to quoting scripture and praying over me. And I could feel tears dripping on my back and people calling out my name. And I'd just start crying. And like, Lord, I don't even know what's going on, but I love every minute of it. And for months and months and about a year and a half that we were at that church, I went to prayer meeting every single day. Because I was like the disciples with Jesus. I'm like, you teach me to pray. Because the way you're praying is what I want. You know, I don't, I don't care volume. Volume doesn't equal anointing, right? But that sincerity. That I, I know God and I know how to talk to him kind of stuff. That's what I want. And I, half the time I'd pray and half the time I'd listen. I even talked to one of the, the guys in the church. He worked all night at a nursing home. He was just a little bit older than me. He worked all night in nursing home. He would come there with me. I said, Paul, you need to come and you need to pray with us, man. It's amazing. Listen to these people. Sometimes there'd be eight or ten people. And that's plenty for the pretty room. That's big. You know, it's a lot of stuff in there. And they would, they would pray. And Paul would come in there. And he worked all night, so he'd sleep half the time, you know. He'd get the snore and I'd elbow him. You know, pray a little bit. You know, we just, we just listened and learned. And it rubbed off on how to pray and how to pray for different things. And I got through that process. I got to where I could get up and pace the floor too. I'd get up and pray with people. And I got to where I would ask people, what do you need prayer for? Sister Gary, what can I pray for you about? Well, sit down here. Let me just tell you about it. She'd hold my hand like we've been dating or best friends for 20 years. And hold my hands, look into my eyes and tell me. And I'm thinking, there, there are things that I'm learning from what? Brother Garrett's telling me and Sister Garrett's telling me and my pastor's telling me and, and Paul's praying the way that people in this room, I, I want to learn to pray like that. And so today I want to I walk you through some ingredients of effective prayer. How many of you know ingredients matter? Right? Ingredients matter. It, it, and to have effective prayer, it's not just showing up talking. I, I used to do that. I started that way. That's first gear. I used to just show up and talk. People say, talk to God. I'm just going to talk. Hey, Lord, hope you're doing good. 
Hope the weather's fine up there. I, that's exactly how I started. Jesus, I have no idea. Are you here? Like, should I move a spot for you? Or are you in heaven? Should I, like, you know, my father who art in heaven? I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. And that's the way I started, first gear. Then I listened to other people, and, and I got different ingredients from people. And I would go look at That's what it says in the Bible. That's what they're doing. They're doing stuff in the Bible. Ingredients matter. Listen, when, when I grew up, my family would fix green beans. Anybody like green beans? I'm going to make fun of you. Raise your hand. All right. Green beans taste like baby food and dirt to me. Okay, You just stir them up and like that, and that's what it tastes like. And I never really liked them. I could eat some green beans because my mom would make me before I could leave the table, but I never really liked green beans. And then Judy and I started dating, and we went over to her parents' house, and they had a big dinner, and they had some green beans. I was like, huh, those look different than our green beans. And they got little chunks of stuff in there with it. And her mom put some green beans on my plate. And I was like, ah, I wasn't going to get those, but okay. And she was like, you know, do you like everything? I was like, sure. And I got some of those green beans, and I ate those. I was like, oh, my goodness. What are these? And she said, they're just green beans. I said, no, they're not. I've had green beans my whole life. They taste like baby food and dirt. What are these? She said, well, and you could tell like this mischievous look on her face. I'm like, you put cocaine in there, didn't you? She's like, no. Uh, she said, but I do put, like in a big pot of green beans, I do put about a half a cup of bacon grease in there and about a half a cup of sugar. And then I crumple up some bacon and put it in there too and cook it all together. I'm like, that's genius. And now, now we see, now that was 25 years ago. Now we see any vegetable you hate, just wrap it in bacon. It fixes it, right? Why we didn't know that before? Now I'm probably going to die young because... Bacon grease and, and uh, sugar and all my green beans now, but they're so good that way, you know. Well, let me tell you, ingredients matter. You leave out the bacon grease and, uh, and the sugar, I'm not interested. I don't want baby food and dirt, okay? But you can cover up some of that. The right ingredients matter. So the last half of this message, I want to give you some ingredients. Number one is this. Uh, some effective, powerful prayer is where there's pressure, prompting, or pain. I could have listed some other things there, but let me just tell you, when, when you're in a situation in life and there is pressure on you, can I just tell you your knee-jerk reaction should be, I need to pray about this, right? Shouldn't, come on, help me out a little bit. It's something pressuring me in life. I need to pray about this. Before I immediately go to this is what I always do. I need to pray about this. Things that are situations that bring pain in your life. Oh, that ought to be instant. I I need to pray about this. And listen, it's all through Scripture, just like that. Listen to what David said in Psalm 18. He said, in my distress. Everybody say, my distress. In your distress, here's what you should do. Here's the prescription. I called to the Lord. I cried to God for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him in his ears. You understand, like David's writing Listen, when I, when I was pressured, when I was in pain, when I was distressed in life, when I needed to make a decision, when there was trouble, when stress came, I cry out to God. That would just be a way. Here's a, here's a shift, a step that you can take to train yourself to know God better is when anything happens that you don't immediately have the answer for, go to God with it. Any pressure comes in your life, go to God with it, Right? Any pain comes into your life, hey, stop the presses. I need to go pray. 
And I, I've taught myself that because of this right here. I used to, I used to get up in the mornings and I would do a devotion because that's what I was taught at first. I'd, I'd read a few verses, I'd pray five or ten minutes, and that was it. And I wouldn't think about God most of the time the rest of the day, usually until night. Then I would maybe read a verse or so before I went to bed, maybe pray. Jenny and I used to even pray before we go to bed. And it started frustrating me that I would think and I would go, it's been like eight hours since I've thought about God. I don't want that. I want through every scenario in life, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit in my life. And so what I started doing is training myself to just say, when I get a phone call and I'm walking out in the lobby talking on the phone, when I hang that up, I'm going to take a lap and I'm going to pray. I'm going to take 30 seconds and pray. When I go to the restroom, instead of going straight back to the office, I'm just going to take a lap and take 30 seconds and pray about some things. I'm going to, when I have a decision to make and it's not immediate, like the answer is immediate, I'm just going to stop, step back from my desk, I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to go pray about that. I'm going to learn that every bit of pressure, any prompting in life with decisions and situations, and especially pain in my life, I'm going to God in prayer. David did. That's exactly what David did, and God answered him. Guess what? That's a good ingredient for powerful and effective prayer. Amen? That's how we get to know God. We start practicing what we read in God's Word. The second one, uh, maybe my favorite, with passion. That's an ingredient in effective and powerful prayer has passion in it. Listen to, listen to this verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 5, 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Listen, Jesus of all people, when we read Jesus' prayers and how he prayed, like, I, I want to learn to pray like that. And if Jesus understood, I need to take all my prayers and petitions, things I need, the list, the stress, the obligations, the worries, the decisions, I need to take those to God and not to just, not to just normal pray, not to just, hey, Lord, you know, we just need these things. Like, at times, there were fervent cries and tears. Do you understand? Like, there was some passion. Like, Lord, I'm getting to the place. Like, I'm in third gear, Jesus. I understand that if you don't show up, this isn't going to work. I have got to have you show up in my life. You have got to guide me and direct me in this decision, in this relationship, in this organization, whatever it is in life. You've got to happen. You understand, like, that's the fuel for your car, for your life, is the passion. You've got to understand that without God, it's worthless. Got like three amens on that, all right? Without God, it's a car with no gas. Throw a log on the fire. Read some scripture. You know what I mean? Learn how Jesus prayed. Learn how other people prayed and let that passion well up inside of you. There have probably been 10,000 times in my life when I've been reading the Bible, ran across a prayer and go, hmm, okay, Lord, this is me. And read that prayer and put my situation in it. And maybe for the next two months, I would quote that prayer. I'll go back to that and read that. And I want to know these people that like walked with God on Mount Sinai, Guess what? I'm going to pray like they prayed. People say, well, oh, just pray the way it's natural to you. I do that all the time. But when I run across good stuff, when they say Jesus prayed fervently with tears sometimes, it was passion. You know what? One out of two or three of my prayers, I have to go, listen, I'm just autopilot. Lord, you know better than that. I don't want autopilot. I want to grab a gear today. I want to pray with some passion. I want you to understand my heart in this situation. Are you all with me today? That, that is some ingredients for effective, powerful prayer. The third one is this. Or no, let me, let me give you this. I've got a little passion challenge for you. How about that? Every year, we do this starting tomorrow. 21 days of fasting and prayer. 21 days 
uh, that we do something a little different. We try something. We fast caffeine or we fast a TV show or something in our life that reminds us, I need to pursue God. I'm going to sacrifice something so I can pursue God. Uh, maybe, maybe a different way of praying. I'm going to get up early every day. I'm going to pray for 10 minutes or whatever that would be. But listen, during this 21 days of prayer, we've given you some opportunities. The next three Tuesdays, starting this Tuesday from 6.30 to 8.30. I think they're in your bulletin, the 8th, 15th, and 22nd. Is that right? Those three Tuesdays right here, we're going to have music on. We're going to have the lights down from 6.30 to 10.30. You can come before work. Uh, if you work all night, come after work. Come in here and hang out. for. If you want to come and pray for 10 minutes or for two hours, it doesn't matter to us. We just want to give you an opportunity, a place to come and pray. It's a way to throw a log on the fire. Amen? It's a way to do something a little different. Step out of your comfort zone. It's the passion challenge, what I'm, what I'm calling it. And here's something else. This Wednesday, the 9th, January 9th, is our first Wednesday. We didn't do it on the 2nd because it was so close to New Year's Day. We moved it to the 9th. It's first Wednesday, but we're not doing worship. We're not doing communion like we have been doing. What we're going to do is we're going to have a prayer meeting in here. We're going to have some music on, the lights down low. We're going to start at 7, and we're going to pray for about an hour. If you can come for 10 minutes, great. If you can come for the whole hour, great. But we want to give you opportunity to actually do what we're preaching. Amen? To get to know God a little bit more. And all through this, we have resources on our website. We have a whole page that just has tons of resources about prayer, about fasting. You can go read, watch, listen to stuff. Also, on your way out, on the welcome booth, there is a free, really amazing prayer guide. It's about 30 pages. If you want to follow along uh, this entire month, take one of those. Uh, we bought enough for everybody to have one, all the adults to have one. Take one and uh, allow it to guide you. We want to give you tools to get to know God better. Amen? The third uh, ingredient, now listen, sugar and bacon is enough for green beans, okay? But there are some things out there like asparagus and stuff, they need more ingredients, all right? So, number three is another ingredient, and it is effective and powerful prayer. It needs persistence. Persistence. Not a one and done, it needs persistence. One of the craziest stories in the Bible is in Luke 18. And I love when Jesus teaches, because Jesus does not teach what I would have thought he would teach, if that makes sense. Like, I would think he would talk about all of these eternal things and how heaven is. And really, all the time, he is comparing things on earth to spiritual truths. And he sees that his disciples need some spiritual truth. And this is what he says in Luke 18, and only in verse 1, I'll paraphrase the rest. Then Jesus told his, told his disciples a parable to show them, here's what he wanted to show them, that they should always pray and never give up. So he tells them, he goes, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this parable to show you that you should always pray. Pray throughout your day, all the time, different situations, different scenarios. Pray and never give up. And here's what it is. And he gives this analogy, and it's like a God figure and us in it. And that's the parable. And it's called the persistent widow. And what it is, is a widow comes to court. I'm going to paraphrase it, but Jesus tells this long story. A widow comes to court, and she every day she demands that the judge give her justice for her situation. And the judge says, nope, not today. You can leave. And she leaves, and the next day, guess what? She's right back there. And he says, nope, not today. You can leave. The next day, she's right back there. And finally, it doesn't tell how long, but after days and days and days and days and days and goes on and on for this, the judge finally says, okay, not because it's the right thing to do, not because even I'm a good judge who fears God. Okay, let me pause there for a minute. That's, that's in there. 
Jesus uses the analogy of a judge that doesn't even fear God to show us the extreme of how much better God is. And he said, not that you deserve it or even that I fear God, but I'm going to give you justice so you will quit bothering me. And Jesus goes, and that's the kingdom of heaven. And don't you know all the disciples were going, what? Could you run over that one again? But Jesus is trying to say, remember what he said, I'm going I'm to tell you this parable to show you to what? Always pray and never give up. You know, I believe God hears every single prayer that we pray. Every single prayer. And sometimes he just goes, not today. He says that. Not today. And he wants to know, well, are, do you really want this? Or are you just kind of like rubbing the lamp? You know what I mean? Like, hey, give me something. Do you really want this? Because if so, you'll be like the persistent widow who never gave up and came back day after day after day after day after day. Said, listen, I'm going to be a burr in your saddle until you give me what I need. Lord, hear my prayer today. I'm praying with passion. I'm not going to quit on this. I am praying that your will would happen in my life, that you would do this and you would walk me through this and you would help me with this until you do it. Amen? You know what? I heard a, a pastor year, 20 years ago say, how many prayers have we stopped the day before he was going to answer it? And I think about that all the time. I thought, I have prayed for this for two months. I'm going to stop praying. No. Are you kidding? Just to have that thought gets me fired up. I'm never going to stop praying this. Let, let us remember that Jesus said, persistence is a key to knowing God. It's a key to effective and powerful prayer. Never stop praying and never give up. Amen? Be like the persistent widow. Go bug the judge like crazy. Like you said it, Lord. All right, he released us right there. The fourth ingredient is this. I love this one. It's in powerful and effective prayers in partnership with others. Matthew 18 says again, Truly I tell you, if two of you can agree on earth about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Over and over and over, Jesus says this in different ways throughout Hebrews, 1 and 2 Corinthians, it says it over and over again. Agree. You need, you need people to agree together. And sometimes we'll ask ourselves, I will ask myself, why? Why do I need to tell Adam and me and Adam pray about the same thing? And I remember an old farming rule. Have anybody ever heard of the two-horse rule? The two-horse rule is if, if a, one horse can pull 750 pounds and another horse can pull 750 pounds, you know, if you put those two horses together and you yoke them together, they, they don't pull 1,500 pounds, which would be the individual sum. They can pull over 3,000 pounds together. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, that makes no sense. You know why? Because God loves jacking with your math. Like when you get married, the two shall become one. What? What? The two shall become one. One agenda, one heart, one direction, one purpose in life. You don't understand what I'm saying? Like God does some things. Yeah, you're still two people. They're still two horses. But together, together they can do four and a half times what the horses could do individually. You know what I'm saying? It's not a mathematical e equation. It's a principle. God said, share it with other people. Another reason to be in a small group, at the end of every one of our small groups, we share prayer requests about our kids, about our jobs, about our decisions in life. Share it with other people. So where you agree together, you can be in partnership with one another and have powerful and effective prayer. Amen? 
How many want weak and ineffective prayer? Let me just see, just off the top of your head so I can just know who to preach at. Right. Nobody wants that. I, I want exactly what the Bible talks about. I want brother and sister Garrett prayer. You know what I'm saying? I want like when people come to me and they say, Hey, Scott, will you pray about this? They walk away knowing Scott will pray about it or whoever they go to. Like they know God. They're going to go after it for me. They have powerful and effective prayer. And the last one, number five, powerful and effective prayer is focused on the name of Jesus. Philippians 2.9 said, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all names. Can I tell you, we don't pray to the big oak tree in the park or Father Earth and Mother Moon or however that is. And can I tell you, a great one now, like you hear this on TV shows, podcasts, I hear the universe is leading me that way. Anybody heard that one? Can I tell you, I know who the universe is, by the way, that super smart, intuitive, supernatural universe that you keep talking about, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's what it is. He's the name that makes the difference. He's the name that when I sin, he's my freedom. Amen? When I'm down and out and in a dark place, he's my light. He's my hope. He's my purpose. Jesus is. Not, Not the universe. Not the stars. It's the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you, there's power in the name of Jesus. There is life in him. There is forgiveness in him. And when that is who I'm praying to, when Jesus was resurrected, he said, all power on heaven and earth has been given to me. And I think about that every single day when I pray. Lord, I'm praying to the one. I put my faith in the one. I'm trusting in the one that all power and authority on heaven and earth has been wielded to. I know that you're able to do much more than I can ever dream or imagine. But today I'm gonna put my faith in you. Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to grow in you. Help me to rely on you. Lord, help me to pray, pray in you, your name. You understand, I, I believe God wants us to know him. I do. There's nothing in this book that teaches me otherwise. God wants us to know him. We try to give tools at South Point. We classes, opportunities. But can I tell you that the number one thing that can make your prayer better or not is you. It's you. Are you you willing to take that challenge? Say, you know what? For the next 21 days, I'm going to pray like I've never prayed in my life. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to do some things to shake the tree a little bit. You know what I mean? To stir myself. I'm going to throw some logs on the fire. I'm going to read a little more. Find out how other people prayed. I'm going to emulate those prayers. I'm going to watch how mighty men and women of God throughout the Bible, how they prayed. I'm going to learn how to pray that. I'm going to show up on Tuesday morning prayer and and listen to other people pray. Pray with other people, however that works. I'm going to learn how to pray and know God. Will you pray with me today? Lord, there is nothing more than we want, nothing more than we want, nothing more that would benefit us in this life than to know you more every day, every week, every month. This year, I understand it's just a calendar. I understand it's made up by the Romans or whoever before them. I understand all of that. But Lord, from the beginning, you gave us a year in the seasons for a reason. After winter, there's a fresh start. Lord, this is the first of our year. And we cry out to you right now. And we ask that you would teach us to pray.
wherever we're at on the prayer level spectrum, teach us to grab a gear. Teach us to take another step, to reach out, to press ourselves closer to you, to draw nearer to you, that you would draw nearer to us, and that through prayer, maybe even fasting, that we would come to know you more. (coughs) Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that does not know you. What a great first step, first service of the new year would be to surrender their lives to you with nobody looking around and all heads bowed. I want to pray one more prayer. For those in this room who today need to open your lives up and surrender them to Jesus Christ, who need to become a follower of him, who need to give him your your future and your hope, who need to invite Jesus in to be your Lord and your Savior, and from this day forward, start following him. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I won't call you up front or anything because I believe Jesus can do 100% supernatural work right there where you sit. But I would challenge you to take one step while everybody else is not looking, will you look up and just give me a wave? And it just lets me know that today I'm taking that step. I'm taking a step to invite Jesus into my life. And I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. Can I pray for anybody today? Is that you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, for your love for us. Thank you for so many lessons about prayer and so many examples from your life, Lord. I pray that you would help us this month to pray like we never have prayed before, with fervent cries and tears if necessary, with passion and persistence. Lord, may our prayers be powerful and effective because they have you in them. We love you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray and everybody said amen.